Welcome to Literary Anything, our Marion Libraries podcast where we talk about anything literary and literary anything. I'm Jane. I'm Paula. Hello. Hello. It's Welcome March. back. It's March. Mad March. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Have you booked anything for the Fringe or the Adelaide Festival? Everyone asks this here, don't they? Oh, this is so sad. I was about to book something and the earlier show that started at 7 something of course. was not available anymore. So the next one was at 9.30. Too late. Exactly. <laughs> I was just like, I just can't go then. No, no. <laughs> no. That's why the 7.30 one was booked out. That's right. <laughs> what about you? Only a kid's show. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing cool or edgy. Right. At all. I do want to go to Writer's Week, though. Yes, I will be going sure we'll to talk. some Writer's Week stuff. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, yeah. sounds good. <laughs> this month we read again, Rachel by Marion Keys. Yay! <laughs> you going to read the little blurb for us, Jane? I will, I will. And then I'll talk a little bit about Marion Keys and uh, then we'll dig into it. Fantastic. Yeah? <laughs> Can't wait. Back in the long ago 90s, Rachel Walsh was a mess. But a spell in rehab transformed everything. Life became very good, very quickly. These days, Rachel has love, family, a great job as an addiction counsellor. She even gardens. Her only bad habit is a fondness for expensive trainers. But with the sudden reappearance of a man she'd once loved, her life wobbles. She thought she was settled, fixed forever. Is she about to discover that no matter what our age, everything can change? Is it time to think again, Rachel? So this is, of course, the sequel to Rachel's Holiday, which was published in 1997. 25 years ago. What's that equal? <laughs> Don't make me do math. <laughs> have we not learned? We have stumbled across this issue before, haven't we? <laughs> 25 years ago. Let's stick with that. Yep. And so people have, as soon as people heard that this was coming out, people have been just absolutely dying for it to be published and including I Paula. I'm one of those people. <laughs> yeah. I remember I think I told I was either I found it in some, you know, advanced publication list or something and you just about squealed the <laughs> house down. library down. <laughs> <laughs> this was one of my very very favorite books from that time and it has been you know continued to be one of my yeah, favorite books. People so. love Rachel and so of course in I think about five of Marion Key's books, it is focused on one of the Walsh sisters. And so, of course, and Rachel is a firm favourite amongst yes. fans as I'm well. I'm not alone. Lots no. of people. Millions, millions yes. of people love Rachel. Love Rachel. So a little bit about Marion Keys. She comes from a large family with lots of siblings. She was born in Limerick and lived in Ireland almost her whole life, I think. She graduated from University College Dublin with a law degree. In the 80s, she became an alcoholic and was affected by clinical depression, culminating in a suicide attempt and subsequent rehab in 1995 at the Rutland Centre in Dublin and I mentioned that not to be flippant but mm. because that formed the basis of a lot of Rachel's holiday. Mm. Keys began writing short stories while suffering from alcoholism. After her treatment at the Rutland Centre, she returned to her job in London and submitted her short stories to a local publisher. They encouraged her to submit a full-length novel and she began work on her first book, Watermelon, which is her first book uh, about one of the Walsh sisters. The novel was published the same year and since 1995 she's published 15 novels with, again, Rachel being her 15th novel and a whole heap of non-fiction books as well. 
And here's a fun fact for you. Mm. Approximately 28.1 Marion Keys books are sold across the UK every hour. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that cool? What a fantastic little stat. (laughs) Again, Rachel, like I said, is the sequel to Rachel's Holiday. Even though Watermelon was her first book, Rachel's Holiday was really the book that put her on the, the map in the publishing world. And the 25th anniversary edition has gone straight into the bestseller chart. So Mm. they re-released that just before, again, Rachel came out. And here's another little interesting fact. With the exception of Rachel's Holiday, all the paperbacks have now got pretty non-pink covers, which has been a a 20-year campaign by Key's editor. Oh, wow. To not have pink covers. To not have the pink covers. Isn't that that interesting? It is interesting. So this one's got a lovely navy cover. The font is still pink. The font is pink, but, <laughs> but it does look nice with the navy. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a little fact, maybe as usual, you didn't read the author's notes at the back, and of course I not. did. But they were very long. <laughs> this little, this little cartoon on the front is drawn by Gemma Carell. I think her name is. I follow her on Instagram, and I have shared some of her posts because she is an obvious library lover. I don't know if you remember, she did that nine reasons to visit the library or love the library or something. Oh, yes. Little, yes. Little cartoons. I can see that Can't now. you see it now? Yeah, yeah. So she's done the little graphic for the cover, which is so cute. It's a picture of Rachel from behind on a yoga mat with her little dog Crunchy next to her. That's a really cute little tidbit. And it's that's cute. why I should read the author's see? notes. Or I'll just read them and tell you about the yeah. Yeah, crib notes. So we'll get into it, but I do want to say as well, Marion Keys gets the typical bad rap that many female authors of popular fiction get with my loathed term, chick lit, fluffy, feel-good books about, and I'm putting it in air quotes, women's things. Mm. Uh, And I'll absolutely say there is zero wrong with fluffy, feel-good books that are about women's things. Mm. I love books like that. Yeah. Absolutely love them. And I def I absolutely think that they have a place beside any literary fiction. But I will say also her typical themes generally run a little darker and deeper than fluffy feel good, even though that she's well known for having a happy ending at the end of all of her books. Themes such as suicide, depression, domestic violence, addiction, they're all almost always threaded through her stories as well. So I wanted to say that up front that people yeah. often give Marion Keys a bit of a Oh, that's just Dismissive. girl stuff. Yeah. yeah. In anticipation of this book, I reread Rachel's Holiday. And I have to say, it was like revisiting an old friend. Yeah. It still stands up. And it doesn't always. I don't know if you've had that experience of mm. rereading a book that you loved in the past and realizing, oh, actually, this oh, is yeah. crap. Yeah. There's a few books that I, whenever someone says, what are your favorite books ever? And I rattle off, you know, the same old ones. And there's a couple on that list that I don't want to reread because... I'm scared that they suck. (laughs) (laughs) But you should then, because then you should stop mentioning them as your favourites. This is true, because people (laughs) might judge me, because they know that it's rubbish. I tried to reread Rachel's Holiday, but I didn't get very far, because I just ran out of time. They are big books, both Rachel's Holiday and, again, Rachel. Yeah, really big big books. books. Almost 600 pages. Yeah, I just didn't have the time. But I will say, because you mentioned that it still holds up, and we started to talk about this, but then we zipped it to save it for the podcast. As we do. (laughs) (laughs) Is I found the constant talk about body image and how fat my thighs are and how my ass is this big and whatever, Mm. which is fairly common in her earlier books. Yes. I found that really 
surprising and shocking's too dramatic a word, but it's almost cringy. Yeah. Because attitudes have changed so dramatically in the last 20 years about body image and what's how we should feel and talk about ourselves. Mm. Which was once, I probably, I would say, I found that relatable, mm. I guess, in the early, like when I was younger when I read that, but now as a fully fledged adult woman. And also being in 2022. And being 2022, I found that a bit jarring is probably the right word. I was, I was, I forgot. Yes. Yeah. And then that brings it back. And I, I yeah. don't think it's just an age thing. I think like our daughters would mm. find that jarring, I think oh, too. Yeah. And thank goodness that they would. Yes. And absolutely. did you not notice that it was noticeably absent? Yes. And I'm sure that was a, a purposeful choice on. Yes. Mary. And I'm glad for it. Yes. I think, you know, authors would change with you know, the times as well, obviously, because societal expectations are different. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and I agree that at the time, that was how you spoke about yourself. And I think, you know, to be self-deprecating mm. was to be, like, cool and I don't take myself too seriously and I don't yeah. think I'm awesome. Yes, and it's probably quite a, um, you know, a UK-ish kind of a True. thing as well, maybe. Yeah, that self-deprecating humour, for yeah. sure. And not thinking too much of yourself. Yeah, Helen Fielding yeah, is yes. the same Bridget with Bridget jo- Jones. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And that's a really good comparison. Yeah. Rereading or even rewatching Bridget Jones now, you think, oh, God. Mm. You know, she's like 62 kilos or something and she's like trying to diet. Like, come on. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank goodness for that. Yes. I, I think we should just briefly go over yes, Rachel's Holiday. Please, since, again, Rachel is the sequel to Rachel's Holiday. Rachel, I would say... I don't know if you'd agree, is the quintessential unreliable narrator. Her family is totally overreacting, sending her to rehab. She just does a little bit of cocaine socially. Everybody's being so uptight about it. But, you know, since they are sending her to the cloisters, which she understands is quite the fashionable rehab place that possibly rock stars go to, then she'll just kind of go along with them so that she can probably lose weight and have a few massages and do some fitness classes and hopefully meet a rock star and it'll all be (laughs) fine and then as events from her past are slowly revealed we the reader realized that Rachel is exactly where she needs to be and even though the whole time that she's at the cloisters she's like I'm not like these people these these poor addicts they need to be here but I don't and we realize along with Rachel, probably a little faster than Rachel, but mm. uh, along with Rachel that she in fact does have a problem and she does need to be there. And that is her story arc. And it's just yeah. so, you know, it's amazing how even though she is an addict and so therefore is completely self-centered and acts horribly and treats the people in her life horribly because of her addiction there is something about her that's so sympathetic and likable at the yeah. same time yeah. i don't know how marion keys manages to to balance that but she just yeah, does it her beautifully char- her characters are always flawed in some yes. respect but also so loved yes. by the reader and it's funny because i like i said i reread this and while i was rereading it i was just oh this is so great it's so great yeah. and I said to Brett, my partner, oh, 
I don't know if you're going to like this, but I want to talk to you about it. So I want you to read it. And he actually listened to the audiobook, And I gave him all these provisos up front because of what you were talking about yeah. before, Jane, because, oh, it's chiclet and he's a man. So, you know, I was like, just give it a moment. <laughs> don't judge it too quickly. And I didn't need to say any of that because he loved it right from the beginning. Oh, he found nice. her as relatable and sympathetic and endearing as, as I did. See, and herein lies the issue with chiclet, isn't it? that there's probably a whole host of readers who are put off by the cover being yes, pink yes. or it being promoted as a, a certain type of book, that there's probably tons of blokes that would like the book, but yeah. they won't pick it up because it looks like a girl's book. So there you go, all the blokes out there. My bloke read it and he liked it. <laughs> and he's manly. He, he is. Like he builds, builds stuff. <laughs> <laughs> he was building a deck while he was listening to it. <laughs> exactly. There you go. So now here we are again with again Rachel and Rachel is living in Ireland and now she's working as an addiction counsellor at the Cloisters where she once was Mm -hmm. um, an addict and uh, seeking rehab and she's seeing a man called Quinn and you know obviously this book is called Again Rachel so I assumed I I don't know if you did too that well I guess it hints at it in the blurb as well that somehow her addiction is going to come back to haunt her again Mm. and I found that the way that he's introduced that was so clever it wasn't what you might think like you might think because as it says Luke comes back into her life Luke was her love in the first book yeah and he reappears in her life and I assumed that it was something that was going to happen with him that would cause her to relapse and start drinking again Mm. but it was something much more subtle and interesting than that. Yes, I didn't go into it with any thought whatsoever (laughs) about what was going to happen. Not even a little bit. Okay. (laughs) So I just kind of went along with the The story. Yeah, Mm. exactly. But I do agree. I think the way she threaded that in was really clever. So what surprising. Yeah. So what you find out is at the end of Rachel's holiday, Rachel and Luke are back together again. You know, she's yeah, she's recovered from her addiction. Luke's taken her back. Yeah. And they are living their life in New York. And then we find out she's not with Luke anymore and what could have happened. Yeah. And And it was about what, what he did. Yes. He left her. He left her. And how could he have left her? And she was just completely distraught went home to Ireland sought the comfort of her sisters and her family and they had to she had to try and pull herself back together again after Luke left her and now she's got this great job and she's got this great man yeah and again through flashbacks as happened with Rachel's holiday you find out a little bit more and a little bit more about what happened in the past and the crux of what happened in the past is that Luke and Rachel were trying to have a baby and they're getting older and older because they kept putting their careers ahead of everything and they felt like everything had to be perfect and they finally get to a point where they start trying and Rachel becomes pregnant and she gets almost to term when she no longer feels the baby moving and they have to go into the hospital and she has to deliver her baby stillborn. And I can feel myself starting to cry as I'm talking about this. I, it, I was reading this and Brett looked over at me and all of a sudden mm. he was like, oh my God, what's wrong? That's exactly <laughs> what happened at our house really? as well. Yeah. Oh, they were, 
oh no, <laughs> even the kids. Oh. And this is how predictable I am <laughs> because the kids came in and I was like crying. And then my youngest, he came over and he said, oh no, did a baby die in the book, <laughs> mummy? Oh no, oh my gosh. <laughs> did a baby die again in the book? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Yes. yes. <laughs> I can't oh. remember. It was some other podcast book. It was that, The Push. That's right. Oh, that was equally traumatizing. <laughs> so oh. it's a regular occur- occurrence at my house. <laughs> Our poor families. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was really sad. It was oh, it was so devastating. Sad. It was <laughs> devastating. When she's talking about the past and, and she's talking about how they're pregnant with a baby and you already know that something's happened because she doesn't have a child with her mm. in the present time. So obviously something awful happens and it was Well, good. I just thought that she wasn't going to be able to get pregnant. Well, mm. As soon as she was, I was like, oh no. I thought she was going to think she was, but actually she wasn't. Oh, that's deluded thinking, isn't well, it? Well, <laughs> it's going to be sad. And again, this is what it is about mm. these books that Marion yeah. Keys writes is it can have all of that devastation and yet in the next page you can be laughing. Yes. I remember reading Anybody Out There years ago and mm. not expecting the death of Aiden, I think it was. I was stu- is he the husband? He was the husband and yeah. I was stupid and like he'd just gone missing for half the book and then it's revealed that he actually died in a car accident yeah. and I was so shocked. <laughs> I didn't, I put the book down, I was angry and bawling and I didn't pick it up for days. Oh I was my god! So upset. I was so upset. But that is one of my favourite Marion Keys books. Right. Ugh. <laughs> so. Why do you do this to us? We love it though. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so the clever way in which she reincorporates the addiction is that in order to cope with the devastating loss of her baby who like I say again she has to deliver stillborn and they hold her and they take photos with her Mm. and they do all of this stuff that grieving parents obviously do in real life to deal with the the loss of of a baby that they would anticipate and then again going home without her and it's all awful and sad Yeah. And so in order to deal with all of that, she's still going to her meetings and they say, remember, you're an addict and you can't take things like normal Mm. people would take things. But then her counselor, when she says she can't sleep, she says, I'll just give you a handful of tablets just so that you can get some sleep. And so she takes those and what ends up happening is that she completely deludes herself into thinking that it's not got anything to do with her addiction. She had to take these tablets in order to get through the grief of the loss of her daughter. And yet what Luke realizes and what becomes evident is that she's just full-blown back into her addiction, mm. back into hiding yeah. her tablets all around the house lying, and lying. Doctor shopping. Yeah. Yep. And Luke, he's also lost his daughter and realizes that he feels like he's lost his wife as well. And in order for her to get better, she's told him in the past, nothing happens with an addict unless they lose something. So he realizes what she has to lose is him. Yeah. He has to leave. He has to leave because he loves her, because he wants her to be better. And the way he can do that is leaving her. Yeah. (sighs) (laughs) 
Um, yeah, it's a roller coaster. <sighs> we I don't just need have to, to compose myself again because I'm crying again over that. <laughs> oh gosh. The other thing that was a joy, though, <laughs> was to revisit all of the Walsh family, oh, and it in, was in particularly all lovely. the sisters. Yeah, it was like. I think you said it before, it was just like returning to some sort of comforting hug. Yeah. You know, it was yeah. lovely. And I think that's one of the other reasons why I love Mary Keyes' books is after I finish one, I miss the people. That's the, I think the first time I yeah. experienced that. I remember yeah. I, w- I read Sushi for Beginners mm-hmm. and after I read it, I missed the people yeah. in the book. I wrote almost the exact same thing (laughs) I'm always quite sad when I finish one of her books Mm. it's so lovely to be so into her world particularly with the the Walsh family and I'm so sad when it ends and it's great because her books are so enormous it's almost exciting because I can be with these people for 600 pages yeah that's right and I think I even said out loud when I was reading I was like oh I've missed Marion Keys (laughs) really missed her books yes and they're funny and they're clever yeah the warm hug yeah. yeah, like you said, it's so true. And yeah. not only the sisters, but all the little funny people, the addicts mm. that um, she's treating in the cloisters all have their own little backstories happening. And what happens in Rachel's holiday and to Rachel and to all the people in the cloisters is that people from the addicts' um, life come in to face them, uh, mm, have confront them, them. Yeah, yeah. in a sort of an intervention y kind of way so that they can not continue to delude themselves. And so that everybody else can see what the people in their lives have had to deal with because of their addictions. Yeah. There are also like little mini soap operas that are oh, going it's, it's like through. little short stories interspersed throughout the the broader storyline. There are so many characters in this book. Mm. There's the Walsh family. There's the in-laws. There's Luke's family. There's Quinn's family. There's the Cloister's staff and the Cloister's patients. And then the Cloister's patients' families. <laughs> and on and on it goes. That's so true. But in other books that has bothered me. Yes. But this didn't really. And it's probably because we know the Walsh family. Mm. So we didn't need to get to know them. She's managed to show growth within the characters and, and the way she rounds out her characters, even if they're a small part to the bigger picture, she's very clever at rounding out these little mini storylines within the bigger storyline. To the point where I want the sequel to other sisters' books yes. as well, particularly Claire, because Claire's contemplating swinging with her husband. Yes, that was so, <laughs> so funny. funny. Yeah. yeah. I want to read that book. <laughs> I want more all the time and I did read an interview with her before she wrote this and said that she had thought that she was done with the Walsh family oh wow I can only imagine the kind of emails and messages she gets from fans Mm. asking for more Walsh sister stories yeah and normally I really don't like series Mm. I want to read a book and be finished with it Mm. but this all of her books can be read just as one oh, yeah, book absolutely you don't have to know what's going on and it's worth mentioning that about this as well because yes. you don't need to have read Rachel's Holiday to get this book I've For sure. read Rachel's Holiday like 20 years ago mm. and I said to Paula I can't talk about it because I literally can't remember anything about <laughs> it other than that I liked it but you don't need to no have, not you didn't at all. need to even Kate that's Rachel's niece Mm -hmm. she starts in a a relationship with Luke's nephew and even them I'm like oh I want their story too that's a really nice natural kind of a next story yeah who would be your favorite Walsh character I mean it has to be Rachel it's always been Rachel yeah 
for I me. I would say runner-up for me, who I love and hate, is Mammy Walsh. Oh, yeah, nah. <laughs> I enjoy her drama and her dramatics about her 80th birthday party. Right. Like, that was hilarious. Just her demands. She wanted a surprise party. <laughs> that she knew all about. That she knew all about and she had to act surprised. That's right. And, and it was all completely choreographed. Yeah, every little detail was organised. I loved that little thread through the book. <laughs> I, I have to say, I, I am annoyed by Mammy Walsh. She, she would be my least. She's a frustrating woman, mm. but I... I enjoy that. Maybe I kind of want to be like her when I'm old. Ah, Demanding and drama <laughs> and gossipy. <laughs> yeah, she is all of that. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> what did you think of Quinn? I didn't like him. Right. It's funny you ask that because I kept reading, thinking, oh, no, he's not that, he's not that bad. Mm. But then he'd say one little thing. It's like, mm. <laughs> I don't like him. He's pompous. Right. And then he'd be really lovely. Yeah. But then he he wasn't awful or anything. It was just, oh, I don't know. Yeah, he couldn't be awful because you feel like Rachel just wouldn't be with somebody awful. Yeah. So, yeah, he couldn't be it's awful. Just quite, there was just not quite right for her. Mm. What did you think? Well, this is as close to romance fiction as I can get. Mm-hmm. Like, you know she's going to end up with Luke because yeah. she has to. Yeah. And you know that that she's got to throw up roadblocks mm. and that there's got to be that thing where they don't talk about it and so there's a misunderstanding. Normally those sorts of tropes really annoy me, mm. but I don't even care because it's Rachel and I just <laughs> wanted to be with Luke in the end. Yeah, I love a happy so, yeah. ending. So I guess, yeah, I knew Quinn, it was never going to be Quinn, so I was mm. just like, oh yeah, he's all right. Yeah, sorry about your luck, Quinn. <laughs> Do you... Obviously, you liked it. Yeah. I didn't like it as much as Rachel's Holiday. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's because we are so attached to her earlier books because we read them at a particular time in our lives? Maybe. Maybe. It's one of those things, if we had started reading Marion Keys now, would we love her as much? I don't know. I Probably, I guess. I'm not sure. (laughs) I'm not sure, actually, because like I say, those tropes would normally bother me. Yeah. And towards the end, I was... bit like it's a bit tropey but yeah like she just has to be with Luke so (laughs) so forgiving I know not usually right so yes like a nice warm cup of tea it was lovely Mm. there's a quote on the front of the book from Nigella Lawson yes balm for the soul true that is so true true it is a balm a soothing balm yes if you love Marion Keys it's a must if you like balms for the soul (laughs) you'll like this book (laughs) but be prepared to cry your eyes out oh so much (laughs) so much Uh, now I've only read one other book this month okay I'm super impressed with myself because the two books I said at the end of the last podcast that I was going to read in 2022, I've read both of them. Wow. Look Check at you me out. sticking to your goals. I know. <laughs> new year, new year. <laughs> <laughs> the first one was Bodies of Light by Jennifer Down. Epic saga of a book. It's literary and at times very hard going, really difficult themes of abuse and you and your books. And I know, abuse. I know, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it was a podcast or a book show or something that said, this is the next like Australian writer to watch. It's about a woman who's gone by various names in her life. She gets a Facebook message out of the blue from somebody from her long ago past. And then that catapults us back to revisit her traumatic past 
And at one point, I didn't think I'd be able to keep going with it. People have compared this to A Little Life mm. by Hanya Yanigahara, which was also completely traumatic. I would say this is not as traumatic as that. There are moments of love and kindness in this book that make it bearable. It's a bit meandering and it's not about one particular thing. I can imagine how reading some of the blurbs, you might think it's a murder mystery. And if that's what you're after, I would suggest maybe not reading this because it's just, it's this sort of meandering saga of this woman's life where she's had all of these traumatic and difficult things um, happen. But it teaches you how people who've experienced trauma might behave and hopefully encourages people to kind of empathize a bit more when you experience people in real life behaving like that is it set in the past paula it is because she gets this facebook message and then she Mm. um, goes back in time and she has lived in victoria and then in new zealand and then in the u.s Mm. so uh, she's an australian writer as i think i've said but yeah it sort of spans the globe in that way i challenge you next month to not read anything (laughs) that has got any trauma in it Right. I reckon if you go back and listen to the last, <laughs> look at your lists. Right. And look at what you've read. Right. It's all dramatic. <laughs> I'm going to look. Have I'm a look. See. I want you to see. Yeah. I'm see sure if I've read it. anything happy. Well, you read, yeah, you read Marin Keys. But this one. was also dramatic. <laughs> There's was a, a baby that dies in yeah, this Yeah, that one was too. sad. <laughs> <laughs> now, this book is a children's book. I read this while I was on holidays with my daughter it's called the trials of morrigan crow nevermore by jessica townsend oh fantastic so this came out in 2016 i happened to get a proof copy at a conference Mm. years ago Mm. it wasn't even published yet and i loved it then Mm. my daughter's old enough to to read it with me now Mm. so i'll read the little blurb morrigan crow is cursed having been born on eventide the unluckiest day for any child to be born she's blamed for all local misfortunes from hailstones to heart attacks and worst of all the curse means that Morrigan is doomed to die at midnight on her 11th birthday. But as Morrigan awaits her fate, a strange and remarkable man named Jupiter North appears. Chased by black smoke hounds and shadowy hunters on horseback, he whisks her away into the safety of a secret magical city called Nevermore. It's then that Morrigan discovers Jupiter has chosen her to contend for a place in the city's most prestigious organisation, the Wondrous Society. In order to join, she must compete in four difficult and dangerous trials against hundreds of other children, each boasting an extraordinary talent that sets them apart. An extraordinary talent that Morrigan insists she does not have. To stay in the safety of Nevermore for good, Morrigan will need to find a way to pass the tests or she'll have to leave the city to confront her deadly fate. Mm. So this, I would say, is junior fiction, probably 9 to 12-year-old age range-ish. It's such a great book. Mm. It's enchanting. It's magical. The world that the author has created is so much fun and there's so much detail and depth to this world within Nevermore. Mm. It doesn't shy away from kids dying, right? <laughs> being hurt or people saying awful things. Get them started early. <laughs> but in a Hunger Games type of a way. Right. And I find that people often think they're a bit too scared for kids to read things like that, but they're, they're so fine with it. Mm. Jessica Townsend, she's Australian. I think she splits her time between Queensland and London. This book is the first in a series of um, three, with the fourth being published uh, later this year. Oh, okay. Film rights were bought back in mm. 2016. This would make 
such a fabulous movie. I hope they actually do something with it. Mm. And she said she's got plans for nine books in the series. Oh, wow. So, yeah, it was just as much fun probably more fun reading it with the kids than it was the first time yeah what an exciting time for you that you can read that with your kids it's a fabulous story she's on to the second one now which I already had at home if your kids are possibly not quite ready for Harry Potter or Mm. Hunger Games or they've read the Harry Potter series and they would like something new to Mm. sort of sink their teeth into this is a fantastic and even if you're an adult Mm. that likes uh, fantasy and magical kind of stories. It's, it's lovely. Mm. Really, really good. Yeah, it's really popular. I think it won the Avia Award. Won oh, tons yeah. of awards when it came out. So yeah. yeah. The other one that I said I was going to read and I did is Crying in H Mart oh. by Michelle Zahner. I listened to the audio book on Box, read by the author. It's a memoir. The author is half Korean and half American. And growing up, she had this strained and at times difficult uh, relationship with her mother. And then she loses her mother when Michelle's in her 20s. And so in this book, Michelle attempts to reconnect with her mother through the Korean food that she remembers her mother making for her. Oh, that sounds lovely. Isn't it? It's, and that's why it's called Crying in H Mart. H Mart is a popular Korean grocery store oh. in the States. Um yeah, poignant, emotional, without being at all sappy. It's a memoir of grief and loss. The writing is effortless. I loved it from beginning oh, to end. That sounds really good. Yeah. I might put that on my list. Now, the other one that I did not finish, but we need to talk about, is <laughs> Maybe You Should Talk to Someone by Lori Gottlieb. Oh, yes. Because I got it on audiobook, and then I noticed that Jane got the actual book of it. And we both said we wanted to read it because we both read Good Morning Monster last month or the month before, and we both loved it. So you didn't finish it, obviously. No, because you told me what you thought of it. Did I? I thought I reserved judgment. I thought we waited for this. No, but I can tell what your face was thinking. (laughs) You didn't say much, but I was like, oh, she hated it. Well, the thing was that I found it so completely self-indulgent because it was about her. It was oh, about the It's on my therapist. bedside table. Maybe I'll flick through it tonight. I am in the minority. Lots of people on Everyone Goodreads. Everyone loves this book. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to try. I've got it at home still. I'm going to try and have a look and see what I think. Okay. Tell me what you think because yeah. I feel like maybe if I hadn't read Good Morning Monster mm. first. I mean, Good Morning Monster was all about the patience. Yes. And so that's what I was expecting from yes. this. That's Whereas, what I'd assume too. Yes. It's, it's not. not. <laughs> and so I couldn't I couldn't deal. The reviews of Good Morning Monster, say, if you liked, maybe you should talk to someone, you'll mm. love this. Oh, so maybe, but maybe if you liked Good yes. Morning Monster, you can't Don't go the other that. way. Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'll flick through it tonight yeah. mm. and report back. Okay. <laughs> Adelaide Writers Week is coming up. Exciting. So many amazing authors, yeah. many of whom we've talked about here on the podcast, including. Jennifer Down, who I just yes. talked about, Bodies of Light, Leanne Moriarty, Annabelle Crabb, who I talk about does the podcast with um, Paula's Lee. favorite person, <laughs> Lee Sales, <laughs> Charlotte Wood, Hannah Kent, Trent Dalton, it's so a big many lineup, isn't big, it? Really huge, big. huge. If you haven't already, Isabella Lunde. Oh yes, Isabella Lunde. That's in my diary. 
(laughs) (laughs) If you haven't already, you know, check our socials, come into the library. We've got copies of the program. We are going to be live streaming from the East Stage as we have in the past few years. We're going to do that again at Park Home and Cove Civic Center. So if you can't be bothered to go into the city, you don't have to come and sit with us and watch. Yeah, bring bring your coffee and your lunch snack. Yep. We'd love to see you. So a couple of books coming out this month. This one I picked because I thought you might be interested in this one, Paula. Margaret Atwood has a nonfiction book coming out. Now, I think you've said in the past that you don't love her nonfiction, but you like her fiction. No, it's her science fiction that I don't like. science fiction, right. It's called Burning Questions. This is a Penguin book out on the 1st of March. This is a brilliant collection of essays, funny, erudite, endlessly curious, uncannily prescient which seek answers to burning questions such as why do people everywhere in all cultures tell stories? How much of yourself can you give away without evaporating? How can we live on our planet? And is it true and is it fair? Mm. So I think this could be great. I love collections of essays. They're really quick and easy to get through, especially if they're written by someone as fabulous as Margaret Atwood. Mm. So that's Penguin Book, Outfits of March. Now, the next one, I almost didn't pick this one to talk about, but it popped up in a whole heap of lists when I was doing my research. And this review came from the blog, The Book List Queen. Mm -hmm. This is out in the 8th. It's a Pan Macmillan book. It's called The Golden Couple. Now, it's by two authors, Greer Hendricks and Sarah Pekinen. I think they've written together before. Yes, yes. The Wife Between Us. Oh, that's the one. I've read that. Yeah. Yeah. So this is The Golden Couple. Rogue therapist Avery Chambers promises that she can fix any problem in 10 sessions with her unconventional methods that have stripped her of her license. After cheating on her husband, Marissa Bishop is willing to do anything to save her marriage to Matthew. As Avery looks deeper into the seemingly perfect couple, she finds that there is much more going on than any of them suspect. With a compelling story and plenty of twists to keep you guessing, fans of the thriller duo will love this new psychological thriller. Mm. Seems to be a lot of books, a lot of psychological thrillers about married couples of late. The mm. last sort of 18 months, I feel like there's a lot. Yeah, Can't right. think of any examples now at I'm all. Trying to think of <laughs> but I just feel like this is a... Its own genre almost. What would you call it? <laughs> I don't Couple know. thrillers or Suddenly something. Suddenly I'm reminded of that. Have you seen that on Netflix? <laughs> the woman in the window across the street from the, <laughs> you know, with what's her name? Eliz- what's her name? The you know woman in the window across the street. From the, yeah, yeah. You don't, you don't know what I'm talking about? Well, I know the book, The Woman in the Window. Yeah, but no, this is a spoof on all oh. those books. And it's called The Woman in the Window Across the Street from the Girl in the... I don't know. So oh, it's it's really funny. funny. You should watch it. Because it's, it's almost exactly the storyline of The Woman in the Window. Mm. Which, did you read that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, you should you should watch it. It's really funny. Okay, I'll look it up. I probably scanned past it and thought, oh, another one of those. What, what, who's the actress that was in Forgetting Sarah Marshall? Yeah, I know. Kristen, Kristen, she's married to that guy who that has Dax that podcast. Yeah, guy. yeah, Dax Shepard. <laughs> Kristen, not Stewart, not is Wig. It, is it Kirsten? Kirsten. Kristen? Oh, my God. Okay. Mums. Mums on podcast again. <laughs> You know, probably people are like screaming right now. They know who it is. Mums, do it again. (laughs) Okay, this one I almost didn't pick as well, but I had to because it is going to be adapted into an Amazon series and 
It's, of course, a TikTok must-read fantasy book. Mm. It was self-published originally and now it has been published through Pan Macmillan. Okay. And I believe this... I'm dubious. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. And it's already got a second book, I think, has been written but not published with a big publisher. Okay. So this is out on the 8th of March, but it already exists in the self-publishing world. It's okay. called The Atlas Six by Olivier Blake. Okay. I was also drawn to it because the cover's kind of witchy and ah. celestial, which are two of my favourite things. When the world's best magicians are offered an extraordinary opportunity, saying yes is easy. Each could join the secretive Alexandrian society whose custodians guard lost knowledge from ancient civilizations. Their members enjoy a lifetime of power and prestige. Each decade, only six practitioners are invited to fill five places. Contenders Libby Rhodes and Nico di Verona are inseparable enemies. Cosmetologists, no, not cosmetologists. <laughs> They're not doing each other's makeup. They're not doing faces. <laughs> Cosmologists. <laughs> right. <laughs> Who can control matter with their minds? Parisi Kamali is a telepath who sees the mind's deepest secrets. Renya Mori is a naturalist who can perceive and understand the flow of life itself. And Callum Nova is an empath who can manipulate the desires of others. Finally, there's Tristan Kane, whose powers mystify even himself. Following recruitment by the mysterious Atlas Blakely, They travel to the Society's London headquarters. Here, each must study and innovate within esoteric subject areas. And if they can prove themselves over the course of a year, they'll survive, most of them. That is not for me. (laughs) I can see why it's been picked up as a series. Yeah. Particularly because there's obviously very separate and clear-cut characters who you could base a storyline around yeah it'll be interesting to see how well this has been executed Mm. i think it's been re-edited and re-jigged a little since being self-published one that it sounds like you will not read (laughs) (laughs) i yeah i don't know that's not you you don't like that stuff me no (laughs) would you like to tell us about next month's book yes i would love to our book for april is called black cake by charmaine wilkerson Eleanor Bennett won't let her own death get in the way of the truth. So when her estranged children, Byron and Benny, reunite for her funeral in California, they discover a puzzling inheritance. First, a voice recording in which everything Byron and Benny ever knew about their family is upended. Their mother tells a tumultuous story about a headstrong young woman who escapes her island home under suspicion of murder, a story which cuts right to the heart of the rift that separated Byron and Benny. Second, a traditional Caribbean black cake, a family recipe with a long history that Eleanor hopes will heal the wounds of the past. Can Byron and Benny fulfill their mother's final request to, quote, share the black cake when the time is right? Will Eleanor's revelations bring them back together or leave them feeling more alone than ever? So Jane found this book. It is being chosen to make into a drama series for Hulu and Oprah is on board with this one. So we thought we better get on board with it too. <laughs> I mean, hey, it's Oprah. <laughs> it sounds quite different to anything we've read for a, a really long time. So we have copies in the collection. It is not on Box or Libby, unfortunately, but we do have multiple copies. So get online and reserve your copy and we'll see you next month. See ya. 
I re- <laughs> <laughs> in anticipation of this, I reread Rachel's Holiday just before while I was on holiday over the holidays. Oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? <laughs> I can't talk. <laughs> it's been too long. Oh no. On a holidays, I holiday and read a holiday <laughs> read book. Rachel's <laughs> Holiday. <laughs> it's so bad. It's um, fine. It's fine. Yep. It's nice that it's you, not me this okay, time. Great. <laughs> cool. It's always me. No, it's not. 